Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Welcome to the Longhorn live stream. Uh, joining me are Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3 National Recruiting Analyst, as well as Ian Boyd, uh, X's and O's experts uh, for the Longhorns here on InsideTexas.com. Uh, Going to get started and have a chat today, uh, talk about uh, a lot of this stuff going on uh, in the Longhorn land. We're one day away, a uh, little bit more than 24 hours uh, before the Longhorns take the field against Texas Tech. Uh, that should be a, a good game out there in Lubbock. Uh, should be okay. Weather should be okay, which is sometimes spotty in, in West Texas. Uh, but before we get going, I need to thank our sponsor. Uh, and uh, to do that, I need to thank Andy Ludicky. Uh, Andy is a uh, uh, owns a company called MyPerfectFranchise.net. He essentially takes and is looking for people that want to own their own business, uh, get out of the corporate rat race with only two weeks PTO, no control over their money, uh, and he wants to just be a guy that can help you find a business for yourself. Call Andy; he will take you through a process uh, and that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone. But if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Um, J- uh, Jerry and uh, Ian, I have to ask you guys, uh, starting off, what were your score predictions for Texas Tech and uh, the Texas game? Also, from the people that are out there online, uh, why don't you uh, start by telling us where you're at simultaneously? Like if you're in Alaska, right in Alaska, if you're in uh, you know, center Texas, right in center Texas. Uh, Jerry, start with your, your score prediction uh, for Texas, uh, Texas Tech. Well, I'm not in center Texas. I, I will say that to start, um, but I have been there before. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm trying to think about what I went with. I, I, I don't remember. That was like 24 hours ago and I was traveling. Um, but I, I think I was thinking something in that, you know, 3120 range uh, for Texas. And I think the whole key is, is, is if Tech, Texas Tech had 56 yards rushing total against NC State last week. Um, the the two backs, Thompson and Brooks, combined for 43 yards on 13 carries. I really think that's the key to this game. Does Texas defensive line travel? If they travel and they can stop the run almost effectively or as effectively as NC State, I really like Texas' chances in this game. I don't think Donovan can beat Texas through the air with his arm. I think there has to be a running game component with it. Uh, Ian, what are you, what are your thoughts? I just looked mine up, Jerry. You had, <laughs> you had thirty to twenty one, so your memory was pretty good. There you go. I had forty two seventeen. Uh, you went big or went home on this, and I like it. Yeah, I kind of see it similar to Jerry. I just don't think that Tech really has the pieces to uh, to beat the Texas team we've watched the last three weeks. Um, I think the last week Texas kind of low key dominated UTSA. The uh, onside kick and the trick play gave UTSA that big edge early, but they couldn't run the ball. Um, they needed Frank Harris to pull some magic out of his hats and some some missed tackles to hang in there early. And uh, Texas, ultimately, they're like, we're just not even going to throw it deep anymore. We don't have to. We can dominate this game without doing that. So my, my takeaway from last week is that Texas is kind of rolling right now, and I think Tech is going to have uh, more – focused effort from the Longhorns than uh, UTSA did, but I'm not sure that Tech is significantly better than UTSA. Um, you know, I, I I think that they're significantly better in some ways, but not in others. I, I thought that 
UTSA had a better quarterback, but I think Tech has a better overall defense, uh, especially at the, uh, the on the back end uh, of that defense for UTSA, but uh, or for uh, Tech. Uh, but anyways, long story short, I'll just give you mine. I went 27-20, uh, Texas. My my difference between you, Ian, and my score, and maybe even Jerry's, I'm not sure who the quarterback's going to be at Texas. Um, and scoring 42 in Lubbock is no easy no easy task if it's Hudson card, in my opinion. So I, I think that's my cop out for not, not, uh, not having a different score there. What, what, do, you, what do you think I, of that? I, I'll say this, the last three trips to Lubbock for Texas, your score predictions probably closer to than ours, because I think it's been seven, seven and eight, unless I'm mistaken. Now I don't think tech is as good this year as some of those teams, uh, but I still think the jury's out on Texas. If coin Ewers doesn't play, I agree with you, but yeah, I mean, I think there's it's easy to for us to look at it and say, well, Tech's not very good this year, so Texas is going to walk in and hammer them. But um, you know, this is still a, a younger Texas team, so I think the last three game trips to Lubbock kind of tell you that it could be a one score game, and we'll see. It's yeah, so and cool. also I, so I got to say this: also, it's on the road. Yeah, um, this is a game. This is a, a young, relatively young team, particularly on offense for Texas. First big game on the road. Uh, of the our first game on the road of the year, uh, you also have uh, a situation where uh, Texas Tech is, you know, they're looking for something to prove. They they were two and zero going into that, and for people saying that UTSA was better than Texas Tech, well, UTSA lost uh, in triple overtime to Houston, and Tech beat Houston in overtime. So let's 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 cut the cut. I I would say tap the brakes on that. Um, but uh, at, at any rate, it's one of those things that it's going to be interesting to watch. Would love to see you guys' uh, predictions on scores as well uh, in the uh, comment sections too. Jerry, I got to go to you first today on a different question, and we're getting it on the InsideTexas.com message board, and that's uh, your somewhat, you know, bizarre prediction of DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver out of St. John Bosco, uh, to Texas via an RPM pick late last night what were you thinking when you made that pick uh kind of explain it to people here yeah just uh, there's some positive vibes on the texas side um you know and uh actually hit hit up somebody on the west coast and the main thought was kid's not probably not going to sign with louisville so if it's not louisville where is it going to be um and you know i mean it Hard to know where USC is in that one, but I do think again there's some positive vibes on the Texas side. We'll have to see what happens. You know, we put in these picks; some of them change, um, but I, I think there's going to be an official visit for more to Texas, and then um, I think if that goes really well, then Texas chances will continue to increase. But I think there's a there was enough positive vibes there for me to think, okay, this this recruitment is maybe trending the, the way of Texas right now. But look, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be interesting because uh, obviously Steve Sarkeesian wants to go back to California. He's already got uh, Spencer Shannon, the tight end out of modern day, uh, and getting somebody from Bosco, uh, the other regional power, I guess, in L.A., yeah. uh, so to speak, would be well, another and, and one. That's an important, Bobby, that's important that you said that, and we need to keep reiterating that to the Texas fans. Even though Texas is moving to the SEC, and yes, they're going to recruit the heck out of Louisiana, Florida, and all states in between, Sarkeesian wants to have a presence in California, especially Southern California. And no matter if Texas is in the Big 12 or the SEC or how the recruiting geography changes, he's not going to give up 
recruiting in South Southern California. And I'm not saying he should either. So Texas is going to continue to have a presence out there as long as Sarkeesian's the head coach at Texas, no matter what conference the Longhorns play at. Let me ask you this, though, about Moore. Can you give me a comp for for who he is in the current Texas offense or what position he might play, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you and I kind of had a conversation uh, a couple of days ago is kind of the Jordan Whittington position, right? And I think that's, you know, where uh, a DeAndre Moore would fit um, in, in the eyes of the Texas staff. And I think that what makes that's what makes him intriguing. And let's just say this, too. If Texas was absolutely going to go after and get somebody in state after Jalen Hill committed to Alabama, that could have potentially already been done, by the way. So I think that's something important to note. Not that it's a reactionary thing, but I think there, it's telling where DeAndre Moore also is on the board. Got it. All right, uh, Ian, I'm going to ask you this question uh, or, or actually make you comment on it because uh, you went 42-17. Um, Texas defense will limit Tech. Tech scores less than 20 points. Um, I'm going to bring you in to, to discuss this because it's something I, I've talked with almost everybody, whether it's Brian Irwin, Coach Brian, Brian Irwin, uh, Rod Babers, Drew Kelson. The Texas defense is limiting points this year, uh, significantly better than a year ago. They're playing better front to back. Um, what are your overall thoughts as it relates to this game at Tech and just the season in general? I was going to say a minute ago, scoring 42 in Lubbock has historically not been the problem. It's been uh, not giving up 42, right? Um, I think Tech has a lot of the pieces they've had when they've been good in the past. Uh, Kitley is a former – that's their current offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley. He worked for Cliff Kingsbury when Texas Tech was, you know, scoring 50 every week and giving up 52 in the Big 12. Um they don't really have the same uh, – they don't have their system installed to where they can just do that like they did under Kingsbury. Uh, their quarterbacks don't see the field as quickly. They don't have the same guys that are just quick-trigger air raid quarterbacks. And so when Donovan Smith's a kid, he's got a big arm. He's got a lot of tools, but he's not seeing it very quickly. He's taking sacks. He's throwing picks. And – um They'd almost be better off with somebody like uh, that Henry Columbia guy that came in last year and, and and scored like 30 points on Texas when the game was mostly out of hand. Just kind of a, a quick-moving, quick-trigger guy. I, I don't think Tech – I don't think this is a score 40, score 50 points a game Tech yet. I think McGuire and Kitley are going to get them there. But I don't think that's it yet unless they play this Morton kid and he's ready, which um. – yeah, let me ask you guys this. So, on the surface, Tech does not have the difference makers at receiver maybe they have on some of the past teams. Is that accurate for y'all, having studied them? I, I watched the NC State game, uh, all of it. I did not watch them play Houston or, or Murray State, uh, I think, who they opened with. Um, I watched the NC State game. I would say that the run after catch is not what it once was uh, yeah. for them. They, they they do have a young guy – or not a – he's not even a young guy. They have a walk-on that does a little of the underneath stuff, but he didn't get targeted much against NC State, apparently, for whatever reason. Maybe NC State tried to take that away, and I just didn't notice it. But I don't know that they have a bell cow. If you really – because they always – you think about a guy like a TJ Vasher, yeah. right, that can do some things. The Eric Equinomica, I can't yeah. – 
can't remember yeah. how to say his name, but he was big for them last year. Um, they, I don't know that they have that one singular guy that Texas says we need to worry about this guy. They do have, not unlike um, UTSA, they have three really big, tall receivers that can help block on the edge. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're as talented as the guys at UTSA. Not necessarily as talented, as productive as those guys at right. UTSA. But that's what I would say is a little missing. And then you have Donovan Smith, who is still learning to be a, a college quarterback, right? Uh, yeah. You have that combined, and I don't know that they have that at receiver. I'll, I'll say this for Baron Morton, um, kid I, that I saw at Under Armour camps. Really, uh, he's that small town kid who was good at everything, qualified for state and golf, right? I mean, tennis, whatever he did, he was just good at. It. He's that coach's kid, right? Um, I, I know coming out of the spring, I talked to somebody really, really, really close over there, and they were very high on Baron Morton long term. Um, so I kind of went into this year thinking, man, he might end up being the starter. And I guess now, you know, depending on how Donovan Smith plays, maybe Saturday, um, he, he's going to have that chance because of what Ian said. I mean, I think Baron Morton's probably a better fit for what they want to do. But is he actually ready coming from small school football to do it? But I do know they're very high on his future. Aaron, uh, uh, Ian, what did you think about their their uh, uh, wide receiver group as a whole? Thank you. I think you described it well from what I've seen as well. They have uh, Miles Price. Yeah. He's a little smaller, but I don't think he's really a burner, to your point. They got a lot of big guys. They don't have, like, even some of the slots they had in recent years transferred. Um, they brought in Brady Boyd, who was, uh, you know, a target for uh, Quinn Ewers' sophomore year at, at uh, South Lake Carroll. They don't have, like um, – you know, I think Sampson was the faster kid at South Lake Carroll, right? He was the kid that yeah. could run like sub eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah, they 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 don't have uh, they don't have the the this the speedy guy that can run down the field for Kitley. They don't have the uh, um, the Stearns brother that he that he had at uh, at HBU or the or the kids that he had at Western Kentucky. So. It's, that's now that's now HCU, by the way. I don't, right. know, I don't know if y'all caught the the. It's no longer Houston Baptist. They they decided to rename it uh, a couple of weeks ago, Houston Christian Union, or a couple of days ago. Uh, excuse me, Houston Christian. Hey, Bobby, blast from the past. You know who the wide receivers coach is there? Who? Cedric Cormier. Oh, at, at HCU. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yep. Up oh, there we go. Hey, um, question for you. I, I've got another question from the uh, the uh, uh, Inside Texas message boards. Uh, David Hicks out of Katie Paytow is expected to commit later this month. Now, uh, I don't know if that's if you can confirm or deny that, uh, Jerry. Uh, is he still planning a visit to Texas at any point, or is that still a work in progress? I, I think I think as of right now, I give that a less than a one percent chance. Um, oh, wow. okay. You know, with the timeline being moved up, because what was originally supposed to happen is and that's if everything holds right is that um he was going to announce at the under armor game january 3rd i believe um but if that timeline is for sure moving up and that's going to stay on track then i think this is a this is an a&m versus oklahoma recruitment um i talked to somebody who is somewhat dialed in on that recruitment and they didn't actually think for the first time it was going to be oklahoma they said they could be wrong but i thought that was interesting jerry He's, he strikes me as being kind of the Tommy Harris for uh, this new, you know, revival with Venables. Is, do you think that that's the sort of impact he could have? And is he actually that good? I, I don't think he's that good. Uh, he's not that level athlete. I mean, Tommy and Bobby can speak to was a special 
special quick guy. I mean, almost a Warren Sapp level athlete at, D, at three technique coming out of Colleen. Um, David's more of a technician. Um, I actually think a kid like Jordan Hall, uh, who I've seen both of them as a higher upside. Uh, but I think Hicks is a really good player. But to your point from a recruiting standpoint, I think it would be a big loss for Oklahoma because, look, Todd Bates has been recruiting that kid for multiple years. The family loves him. Um, that is known by everybody. And, you know, he's been up the, on Oklahoma's campus so much, and, he, he, and he's had such a really strong relationship with Todd Bates. Uh, there was so much confidence on the Oklahoma side on the David Hicks recruitment for a long time. Maybe there still is. But uh, that would be, a, that would be a, a little bit of a blow to those guys because I think that's one they thought they could win assuming he ends up going to Texas A&M and he's also going to visit Alabama. Um, I got a question for you guys. Uh, this is I'm going to start with you on this, uh, Ian, if you don't mind. And that is what should tech you, you've read the humidors report from Eric today uh, at InsideTexas.com, uh, talking about, you know, well, Quinn's still got some pain problems in the shoulder and Hudson still got an, uh, an ankle problem. And Sark said yesterday that, Two other quarterbacks are traveling, which means Charles Wright and Malik Murphy are also traveling. Um, given all of that, what do you do at quarterback right now uh, going into Lubbock, and where do you think the Longhorns end up? If, if Quinn Ewers can play, I play him. Um, it's an important game. This is, a, this is one of those road games on the schedule that needs to be a win for Texas to make the Big 12 championship game. They have tougher road games on the schedule up ahead. You can't be dropping a game like this. Um, you don't want that negative momentum going into, you know, West Virginia might be a, a tough game in Austin, and then then you're in the Red River shootout. If he's ready, you play him. Um, I If they do end up playing card, that will make me think either yours is just not quite comfortable or that maybe they feel like I do, that Tech is just not really that big of a threat. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they handle it from that from that perspective. I, 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 I agree, Bobby, and we've had this game circled for a while, you and I's discussions. I think it's actually a must-win game for Texas. I mean, because the th things that you pointed out, things that Ian just pointed out, look, if you're really going to make that ascend, have that ascending year two with the schedule in front of you, a loss here to a team who, I don't know if they finish in the bottom three of the Big 12, but they could. Um, that's in, in from the momentum standpoint. Um, you know, a win here – and you have West Virginia at home, a game you should win. I mean, they're not all tough games, but a game you should win. And then you're sitting there four and one, ranked in the top 12 in the polls probably when you head to Oklahoma against a likely undefeated Oklahoma team. So it sets up another national game for Texas. And the more of those Sarkeesians in, the better for, for the program. So I think it's a big, big game Saturday in Lubbock. One, you you really can't afford to lose if you're going to have that nine or ten win season that you uh, that, where you could really max out this team in the regular season you got to win this game yeah I I agree with that I mean I, I think that Texas if he can play and he's he's healthy I don't think there's any doubt that it needs to happen you know what I mean um and so uh, but the reality of it is we don't know his health um you know and we do know that card was good enough last week against uh uh, UTSA. We don't feel like, even though uh, it's he's probably still got a banged up ankle, it's gotten worse in a week's time, right? Um, and so, given that, I, 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 you know, you can handicap this however you want. We're not betters uh, here on this this show, so we're not sitting here trying to to pick this out. But 
um, it's clear that that uh, Texas can have has one of two options. A healthy Quinn Ewers starts, but if he's you know a sixty percent Quinn Ewers does not. I got a question for y'all. How does this play into it? Tech has may has as good a edge players as Texas faces in the Big Twelve. In in, in I mean they may have it. Tyree Wilson's a draft pick, right? If Quinn, are you somewhat worried that if he takes those shots Saturday, that you could lose him for an extended period of time? Do you play for more of the long game and say we'll get him back for West Virginia, and we still that's we still have what eight games at that point in the season? Do you risk that if he's not one hundred percent putting him on the field against a couple of edge players who are pretty good? Uh, Ian, you want to take that or me because I have a strong opinion on this. I, I so I'll just say that I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but my understanding is that the uh, the injury is not there's not like structural damage to where it's at. It sounds like an injury that would make it worse is an injury that would have injured it anyway. Does that make sense? Yep. Like if you get stick into the ground and it makes and it gives him a similar strain, it'll be because that was going to happen because of that hit. So I if that if that understanding is right, then I would not that would not factor in for me. Gotcha. What was your strong opinion? Uh, my my opinion is uh, this. Number one is yes, they have good edge guys, uh, Tyree Wilson in particular. Um, they also have some good interior guys that can kind of get after it a little bit too. So I think Texas defensive line as a whole may be the strength of their actual team. Um, that being said, West Virginia has a Stills brother, right? He's a pretty good pass rusher. Oklahoma is going to throw the kitchen sink at him, right? So it doesn't. This game is not any different, in my opinion, than West Virginia and, and or Oklahoma. The only difference, perhaps, uh, for me, uh, might be the timing of this of, of the healing of the injury uh, to have more time on that. So that's that's not a bad question, uh, Jerry. I just I think that that as you look at it, um, you want to play him if he's ready. If not, you know it's unfortunate. But but the, the Longhorns. You know, this is a this is a little bit of a test. You know, we can talk about it all we want. Just like beating UTSA at home, a good quality school, a good quality team that uh, won 12 games a year ago, knows how to win close games. Texas went out and beat them with their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, Tech is probably, a, you know, despite what Ian says, I think Texas Tech is a rung up from that, um, generally speaking, uh, from an athletic talent standpoint. But my question there is, okay, this is a different, not my question, my comment is this is a bigger task because it's also on the road. And so this is a, this is a chance for Texas to show that they have some, what's the word, gumption, for lack of a better term, to go out and actually win a road game with their backup quarterback and, you know, have to see what it looks like at the end of the day. But this is a this is an opportunity game for Texas to prove there there's something that maybe some people don't some people are doubting them on. I want to ask you guys uh, some other questions that we have here. Let's start with this one. Your pick for offensive player of the game for the Longhorns uh, against uh, Texas Tech. Either one of y'all who wants to take it first. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump out there. I, I'm going to pro- probably go a direction you may not because you think it's going to be a run the run the ball game with a backup quarterback. I'm actually going to go with Xavier Worthy. I feel like he's due to have a big game. I feel like there's going to be opportunities to make some big plays. 
um, whether that's in the punt return game, whether that's after the catch. Um, I think he's due for a really big game, and I, I and it's not going to surprise me, um, especially if Texas can establish the run early in this game against a quality defensive front by Tech. If they can establish a little run early and Sark can find some favorable matchups, um, I, I think Xavier Worthy could have a big game against Tech. Ian? Well, I'll just follow up with the same answer, but I'll give a little, a few other thoughts on it. I, I think that's a great pick. Probably Bijan will have a big day. Uh, I did notice that Tech had a lot of problems with running back screens against North Carolina State. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did, yeah. So, you know, look out for that one. But, um, yeah, Worthy, there. I, I think Texas Tech's defensive backs are a little bit, a little bit big and slow. Yes. And I think they're going to move Worthy around and just let him pick on people and chuck it deep. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So, uh, and they may do that with some other guys too. Like, um, I don't know what Brennan Thompson's health looks like right now, but Brent Thompson or Whittington or whoever else, a Jai Hall maybe. But um, Worthy is obviously their plan A for taking the top off of the defense. And uh, there's a lot of places to attack that secondary with Worthy. So I, I think Jerry will be right. By, by the way, I've got a little uh, nugget on Ajay Hall. Um, uh, I, I hear he's been really working on concentration with hands. Um, because, I, you know, I've said many times on, you know, before when we brought up Ajay Hall that he always had the drops. We had him at Under Armour camps, Under Armour Future 50, seen him in person. But I never was convinced it's a hands issue as much as a concentration issue. But uh, this is where player development comes into play, and I'm going to be very interested when Hall hits the field, whether that's this week, really, or next week against West Virginia, which is more my lean, um, to see if there's an improved concentration and what Texas has been doing for him to help him concentrate on catching the football. And it's been a lot. They've been working on a lot of stuff with him. I'll be interested to see if that comes to pass because the kid, the kid has a ton of of talent, as we've talked about before. If he becomes a more consistent pass catcher, watch out. That adds an element. Yeah, I, I can see you guys going there. I'm going with Hudson Card. Huh? I think that uh, I, I think that for Worthy to go off at, at some level, it's going to have to be Hudson Card. Um, he's, he's done a really nice job through his first seven quarters this year of not turning the ball over. Um, I hope this isn't the, the kiss of death for me as it relates to that. But I actually think he's, he's just been a couple of, couple of seconds away, a couple of miscues or not, not even miscues, just a couple of small steps away from big plays. And as he gets more time and more comfort, those things should come to him a little bit more easily and more readily. Um, and so no, he does not have the arm talent or the ability of a Quinn Ewers. We, we know that. Uh, but I think that that he has some. I think he's a, a a he's starting to get the respect of the team. If he didn't have it already, after Alabama, winning with his feet against UTSA, that big scramble was huge. 
when you know a guy's got a gimpy leg, right? I mean, that's making a play when he needs to make a play. And so I'm going to go against the grain here and go with Hudson Card. That is a statement, by the way. You never would have had me guess in a million years in a preseason. Like, I, I would not have I, – I don't think I ever would have said Hudson Card, I predict, is going to be the player of the game in the preseason. I was I was thinking Quinn Ewers, Bijan, uh, Worthy, even Jay Whittington, uh, now maybe uh, Jatavian Sanders, uh, but uh, or even Roshan, right? Uh, but I think it's uh, I think it's changing. All right, defensive player of the game, same kind of topic. Uh, uh, this time, Ian, you have to go first in <laughs> case uh, Jerry wants to steal your answer. Mm. I think this is a week that somebody gets some picks, and uh, I'll pick Jaron Thompson because he's a heady player. Uh, I wrote in my preview. I think there's a chance that Texas leaves Watts on an island with Tex big receiver Jaron Jaron Bradley and uh, frees up Thompson to, to, to move around the field and maybe come uh, from outside of the quarterback's vision into a passing window down the field. So um, I, part, of the, part of how I see this game going is Texas getting turnovers on defense, either with sacks or with picks or maybe both. And uh, so I'll pick Jaron Thompson. Jerry? I'm going the same direction I went last week. I see a guy that's gaining confidence, Jalen Ford. Uh, because I just think Texas defensive line is going to have an advantage against the Tech offensive line. And that means Jalen Ford is get, should have a lot of opportunities in this game. And, look, he's made 25 tackles the last two weeks. Yes, he gave up the big run against Bama, and some of it wasn't pretty early. But – and maybe he should have had 20 tackles last week, as Sarkeesian kind of said. But you're still seeing a player going in the right direction here and a guy that should be gaining confidence and a guy that looked for Texas to be their best defensively. He has to play really well at linebacker. And I guess, obviously, we have to uh, talk about the Marvion Overshone at some point on the show. But Jalen Ford, I think, with each passing week, um, becomes a much bigger factor um, in, in helping stop the run. And as long as the Texas defensive line continues to play at the level they are, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to have big tackle games. And, I mean, he's on pace for an over 100 tackle season. Um, so I think he's, again, it goes back to what I said. you got to stop the run against Tech Saturday. If Texas does that, I don't think Tech can beat Texas throwing the football. So Jalen Ford is my guy. Yeah, I, I, I got to say this, uh, a stat that I found very interesting. Donovan Smith has more rushes on the season than any Tech running back. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, that, that is pretty telling. And this isn't a running quarterback offense. Right. It's not like they go out and try to run the zone read, right? Um, that means they're, A, they're not having success running the football when they want to, and, B, they're playing some games from behind, mm -hmm. right? Um and so I, I feel like you're probably right about that. They're going to try to force the run, particularly at home. Yes. Uh, you have to. It, it makes sense. Uh, but I'm going to go with a different guy in the secondary, and I'm going with Anthony Cook. Um, I think Cook is starting to feel out that position a little bit. While Jaron Thompson is, has been in that role for a little while, Cook, this is his first go. Um, and, you know, if the, if the rush gets home, like we think the rush might get home, Smith is a, Smith overthrows a lot when hurried. It's not that he underthrows; he throws either early or he throw overthrows because he's got a big arm, right? And that usually plays into a deep safety's, um, uh, you know, wheelhouse, so to speak. So I can see both of that. I can see all of that happening. Um, I, I want to go from there 
uh, and ask about DeMarvian Overshone. Jerry, you brought it up. Uh, the question I have is, how do you get him involved in the second half? Because you can't really replace him in the first half. Nobody you have is like him. And so any halftime adjustments that you might make, they don't really exist, right, until after the fact. Um, Ian, you want to take that one for us? Well, I think Tucker Dorsey is actually a decent replacement for Overshone. Just not um, not as a not as a pass rusher per se, right? He's not he's not the same. He's not explosive like Overshone. He has had a couple snaps where he's on the edge, and uh, the same thing that makes him good as a run defender, which is that he just knows how to use his short stature and his hands to evade blockers actually translates some in his pass rush as well. I've noticed, but he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't over, that doesn't have overshone's length and closing speed. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle this. Honestly, like maybe they lean on Jalen Ford and maybe they play dime like four, one, six, or maybe they play Tucker Dorsey out there with Ford and they play their normal stuff or they play three down. I don't know. But, um, Tech's running game is not scary. To them, I don't, I don't imagine, and so the, I think they may overplay the pass, and uh, I'm not. Overshone would have been a nice piece for that, but uh, I, we may see something a little different from them this week. Let me let me ask you this: you you're big on Pete Kwiatkowski and how well he stopped Mike Leach's offense at while he was at Washington and Leach was at Washington State. Okay, yeah. do you see some similarities uh, that? Uh, between these two programs in that regard, like does Kitley at uh, Texas Tech run a lot of what the Mike Leach offense is? And, and you're hoping that uh, to see something like that out of Texas, like uh, Washington's dominance of uh, Washington State? It is definitely a little bit – it is similar. I think Leach is a little more um, patient, for lack of a better word. Maybe that is the right word. Kitley is – you know, Kitley wants to go take the top off. Leach's quarterbacks – I mean, a lot of times their running back is the leading receiver. Like he's like, just throw it underneath. That's fine. Um, but well, yeah, what Kwiatkowski would do against them is play six defensive backs, three down linemen, and uh, just make them earn it down the field, flood the passing zones, make them throw it underneath, which uh, is not an exciting game plan for beating a guy like uh, Donovan Smith, but I, it would be effective if they did it with discipline. So, um, yeah, that could be something to watch for is if, if he pulls from his uh, Apple Cup playbook for this one. Hey, Jerry, I'm going to go to this question or comment. Hakeem Williams, the wide receiver out of uh, South Florida, commits to Florida State. A&M was at one point thought to be the favorite there. Uh, Texas loses Jalen Hale uh, to Alabama on Tuesday. So both Texas and Texas A&M getting dinged at receiver recruiting. Uh, but I want to reiterate for those people that didn't hear at the outset of this broadcast for Inside Texas and on three uh, and on Texas football, excuse me, that uh, we think right now, or at least as of right now, Texas has a legitimate shot at DeAndre Moore. Yeah, I absolutely. I think Texas has a legit shot at DeAndre Moore. Uh, should visit. Uh, that visit goes well. I think that one's one that could trend even more so for Texas. I just don't expect them to end up at Louisville. We'll see who the competition is. By the way, on Hakeem Williams, it's very, that's, that's a huge win for Florida State. If you think recruiting doesn't matter or winning doesn't matter in recruiting, 
do you think if FSU, FSU had lost to LSU and there have been questions whether Mike Norvell was going to make it? See, that it, stuff goes away so quick. Doesn't and then happen. Louisville, too. And then they, Louisville. they barely got by Louisville. But they're 3-0. and They're sitting at 3-0. and And they have a better product on the field this year, whether they've squeaked by or not. And now – all the conversation about Mike Norvell isn't when is he going to get fired at FSU? It's like, are they going to turn the corner with him? And obviously, Hakeem Williams is a South Florida kid. Uh, but still, winning still trumps everything in recruiting, even in the NIL day and age to a certain extent. And that's right. one where FSU season and maybe AM losing the App State, it all it, it, it impacted this decision. Yeah. All right. I want to, I, I want to get to a question from Travis Earls here, here real quick about the freshman that we think might make a splash tomorrow. But before I do, I need to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Are you looking to diversify? May, you may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Let, let's talk about this question from Travis Earl uh, and, and uh, talk about who we think the freshmen are going to be that will contribute. Uh, according to my information, Texas is probably going to travel about 13 true freshmen tomorrow. They're not traveling all 25. It's the first conference game. The, the horns are limited. It could be more than that. It could be 15 to 18. I'm not sure. I know that, that, that some are going to have to stay home. Only 70 can go all together. Uh, and so obviously some of the freshmen have to stay. That being said, uh, for you guys, um, is there anyone you're looking for to to, to maybe break out uh, at this point? Um, Ethan Burke has looked good at times. We're still waiting to see more from uh, Brennan Thompson, Savion Red. Never know, right? Um, what what do you guys think? Go ahead, Ian. Well, I've got one, but I don't want to say because we have a little bit of insider info on it. So okay, well we'll hold that then. Um, don't no, don't worry about it. Okay. Well, I, I, I will I will give a uh, not that person. Um, it's an obvious game for Savion uh, Red for sure. Maybe Brennan Thompson. I think guys. I would say Brennan Thompson if he's healthy and he's had a good week of practice. This would be the week to um, you know you motion worthy. You leave Thompson on the backside. He's matched up on somebody slow. Tex shifting everybody to worry about worthy. And then you've got a, a post by Thompson or a go ball. Um, that's right up Sark's wheelhouse. I, I, that'd be something I would look for is something like that with Thompson. If he's the guy for it or Tariq Milton or whoever the guy is that they trust to, to do that, I would expect to see it this week. I, I, I got a, I got a question for, for you guys on this, uh, where I'm going to head with this uh, answer. Um, First of all, let me just say it to Savion Red. Texas remains very high on Savion Red. They they think he's going to be a really good player. These kids just go through the freshman stuff. You know, you hit a wall. You know, classes start. Everything that these guys deal with. Um, so Texas very remains very high on Savion Red. Um, is there any chance you could see Texas do some different stuff with their fronts this week? Could a Justice Finkley line up on an interior as a pass rusher a little bit this week? Could could Texas change the game a little bit on the defensive front this week? That's a question I have for both of y'all. I mean, is it even possible? Ian? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I would say definitely yes. I don't know if it's um, Finkley inside just because their defensive tackles are pretty good pass rushers. Right. More, right. But um, I, I wonder if they might do like three down like yeah. he did in the Apple Cup. Um, maybe play like Sorrell. Yeah. And, uh, and a couple of defensive tackles or something like that. And then maybe move them and stunt them a lot and blitz from – different angles a lot like just bring a ton of if, sort of exotic looking pressures not necessarily bringing everybody you know but just bringing people often from different angles so if, if they're going to do that then they, that would ask a lot of Sorrell or it may ask them to play like to just rotate the defensive tackles and play more of the defensive tackles this week I don't know exactly how that would look because we haven't seen it really I haven't seen it from Pete Kwiatkowski yet at Texas but there's a wide world of possibilities there for sure. I think it's only a matter of time before Jure Bledzo flashes something in a meaningful game, by the way. He, he would be he would be one that could be a good fit for exactly that. Yeah. I go with Ethan Burke until uh, proven. I, okay. I, I, I am so high on that young man. Um, you know, people say, oh, well, he looks really slight against the run. He gets pushed around. Yeah, but he fights through it, and he's so long that he still can 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 defend some gaps on the outside just because of his length um, when he's getting pushed around. And he's not a uh, he's not an easy go down guy. Right. So yeah. he'll fight to just barely stay up at all. And, and so I, I really think Ethan Burke is a, is a guy that I think uh, has a chance. And, and we, we thank you, uh, Travis Earls, for that super chat uh, donation. Uh, it's something that we all. Uh, try to try to do do for you guys and answer those questions as quickly as possible. All right, I want to go to some other stuff we got going on right now and talk about this. And this is a and this is a fair question because right now the answer is Casey Kane. Right? Do y'all agree with that? Who was going to emerge at the third wide receiver? Thus far, it's been Casey Kane. Had two big catches two weeks in a row. Right? Um, or three three uh, two big catches the first two weeks. And then had a, uh, a uh, I think, a first down catch or like an eight-yard out uh, against a UTSA. He's, he's receiver number three. But that means Tariq Milton is not. Uh, and we thought he might be going into the year. But apparently they like Jordan Whittington so much in the slot that they're not really taking him off the field much at all. Even when they go 21, they're keeping Whittington and, and Worthy on the field, right? So is there a third receiver? Is it Casey Kane currently? Where does it, where do we end up? Is it do they start messing with moving Whittington outside if they find someone like a Sabian Red or, or Brennan Thompson inside? I don't know that we have that answer other than right now it's Casey Kane. Ian, you, you agree with that? I can't hear Ian. I think Ian's muted. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. JT Sanders is kind of the third receiver. That's what I was gonna say. They've lined him up enough outside that, where he's the guy. That's fair. Yeah. Good, good point. They move him around a lot. Um, they've ended up using Tarek as the 12 personnel tight end more often than Gunnar Helm or obviously Billingsley uh, not available for a couple more weeks. So, but they, they, they like um, they're using Sanders like we thought they'd use Billingsley. It moves right. around all over the place. Yeah, and he's and he's performed well. Taking a couple of other quick questions. What happened to Brendan Thompson? Haven't heard his name. Sick. He was sick last week. He'll be in Lubbock this week. Uh, is my understanding. Uh, will he get a lot of play time? I don't know that. That's going to be probably dependent 
somewhat on the score and what they're trying to do. Uh, maybe they have some uh, special pieces for him or set pieces for him. He is going back to West Texas for the first time. He's originally just north of, uh, just north, about an hour or two north of Amarillo in the Panhandle. Uh, but uh, good luck to, to Brennan uh, as well. A uh, comment here that I wanted to uh, get to your take on. Uh, me and Ian said this and talked about it. Tech has better overall athletes, but they don't have what UTSA did. And that's a four-year veteran QB along with three wide receivers. Jerry, I, like, I agree with that comment. First of all, Ian and I, I, I don't disagree with that comment, Ian. I think that they have more talent on defense than UTSA right. is where my big piece came, came out. I, and so yeah. that's where I didn't see the 42 points coming in, Ian. Uh, Jerry, yeah, I, your, your point? Yeah, I think the Tech definitely has better athletes on defense. And I, I'm going to add something else that UTSA has that Tech doesn't have right now. Belief in what they're doing for sure. I mean, you win 12 games last year, right? I don't care how many guys you've lost to the NFL. They won at Illinois last year. They just went toe-to-toe with Houston, right? I mean, and they win close games. That's a UTSA is a team that walks in any stadium and believes they can win a game. And Joey McGuire is in his first year at Texas Tech. And that's, some, that's always the hump you have to get over, right? Steve Sarkeesian battled that last year. That's why I think this is such a huge game for Texas Saturday. This is a game where Roshan Johnson, the new leadership of this team, take over, and a team shows a different belief than they had a year ago, a different level of confidence. And that's the difference between Tech and UTSA. UTSA walked into that stadium thinking they could win that game, and they had reason to. And I think that's what Joey McGuire is, is, is going to try to mold his kids into at Texas Tech. Um, so I think that's a major difference in those two teams just from a when you, who you play standpoint. Uh, you know, I agree with that. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of that's kind of difference in just where they're at in the development process right. programs. Right. right. Um, you know, Ian, I want to go to you uh, for this next question and really uh, get your your feeling on it right now. Um, you mentioned JT Sanders, and I know you pay attention to not just the receiving and the stats, but also the blocking, uh, because we used to talk about Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley as a blocker. Not necessarily on these chats like this. Uh, we didn't have these last year, uh, but we did talk about them offline via text. Okay, how would you grade both JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm right now as blockers? Um, they've been solid. I would say that Sanders is not quite where Brewer was last year, but he's not that far. Um, Brewer was not like a super big and powerful guy, but he was very reliable and good at a few different key things they ended up running behind him a lot usually on those uh trap back blocks he would do on zone on zone runs sanders has been solid on those he's getting better because he's a better athlete and he has comparable size and he has some willingness to do it i think his ceiling there is actually pretty solid and he'll explore it before his career is done helm has been um he's been pretty solid but because karik is available at that same spot. We haven't seen it as much because it's like, I mean, as everyone remembers, they barely ever threw it to Wiley. They barely ever threw it to the inline guy that was there mostly to make sure that there was enough time to get off their deep shots down the field to Xavier Worthy or, or whoever else. And um, obviously Karik is a little better at that than a smaller tight end that doesn't have five years banked of training and experience and pass setting. 
So Helm has been solid, but been edged out a little bit. And Sanders has been um, good, definitely good enough. Probably haven't seen his best yet. He had a, he had a solid block on that long run that Roche, that uh, Bijan had against UTSA last week. Got it. Um, we we talk about this and and how surprising. Like I've I got to ask this because I think that Carrick seeing so much time at tight end is one of the surprises to me for this team this year. Did, did anybody think that was going to happen preseason, like that they were going to rotate out an offensive lineman to play tight end? I thought maybe last year they were going to do that. <laughs> they could have used it last year. Uh, they had done it a lot. I mean, Sark did that for long extended stretches in 2020 in the playoffs against Notre Dame. He's playing uh, Kendall Randolph there. And uh, I thought, this is a no-brainer for Texas this year. They may not have had enough tackles that they trusted, right? But uh, it seemed like a no-brainer for Texas. Like, you you need some help out there. Just play as many offensive linemen as you need until the quarterback has time to throw. So, uh, I don't know. It's not shocking except to me, except maybe for the timing of it. Yeah, I, you, I, I you think it's think- shocking to me because I it, it came out of kind of nowhere. Like I, I thought if we were going to see that, I like you said, I thought we would have seen it last year. Here he is in his second year going back to something he used previously. Do you think we'll see a lot of that against Tech Saturday, you guys? I think so. Against Tyree Wilson? Yeah. And it also allows them to do like um, – I mean, they, they destroyed Tech last year playing uh, tackle over unbalanced formations where they would play the tight end like a tackle and then bump. Uh, I can't remember who was playing tackle at that time. I think it was, I think they would bump Jones over. They'd bump the, whoever the other guy, Kerstetter over. And Tech just got run over. Um, presumably Tech would be a little better equipped for that this week. But absolutely. Like test their, test their soundness on those. Double team Wilson. Don't let Wilson get inside. Test, I think they lost one of their really other really good edge players against North Carolina State for the season. Um Ramirez, Bryce Ramirez, test his backup. See how he handles a double team. Like, absolutely, I would expect to see that. Yeah, Jerry, are, are you are you of the opinion that that Texas is going to be able to run the ball on Saturday? Yes, I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball because they have a first round level pick at running back. Um, I think Kelvin Banks is going to be better every game. I think Cole Hudson is going to be better every game. I think the offensive line is gaining a lot of confidence right now. Um, because you run for 300 yards or whatever it is against UTSA, and and you're stood in there physically toe to toe with Alabama's NFL guys across the board. I think the confidence is there. I think obviously Sarkeesian can scheme it up, but I think you have so much depth at running back. I think, and I think there's so many ways you can attack. Right. Um, I definitely think Texas is going to be able to run the ball Saturday. I actually look for. I actually for Bijan to have a couple of really big runs in this game. Uh, and, and I mean, really big runs. And and I'm talking like 40, 50 yard runs. I don't think it's just going to have to be, you know, grinded out runs. I, I think, I think Texas might crease them a couple of times in this game. Here, here's my question as it relates to that and how I see it. Army could not run the ball against UTSA. And that's right. all Army does. That's all. Now they hit, a, they had a bunch of big passes. But they constantly saw seven and eight in the box. Texas, on the other hand, never hit the big pass, but hit a couple of big runs. 
Um, I think the Texas run game is probably a little bit better than what some people maybe uh, even internally or, or some Longhorn fans believe because they see a, a, a half of it getting bottled up or a, a quarter and a half of it getting bottled up like it was against uh, UTSA and for the entire game against Alabama for that matter. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I see a, a team that is gaining in confidence and they do have uh, more than just one running back. I mean, Roshan is a legitimate guy that, that it, I think they're going to find ways, whether it's the diamond formation or the wildcat or whatever, to try, try to get that going. That was one of the other things we mentioned, the Carrick uh, move of him to tight end. Well, the, the, the multiple use of formations by Sark right now um, helped pop that game open too uh, against UTSA. It wasn't just any one move or any one thing. It, it was a, a bunch of little things that uh, added to it. Uh, Ian, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with Jerry. And with what you just said, they have a, a few different ways to do it. They are, to your point, very good at um, scheming open running lanes. Another thing they did against UTSA is that UTSA was was loading up like they did against Army. And so they moved away from the Carrick big sets and they went spread and they gave Hudson Card some RPOs, uh, wide bubble screens and the like. And it kept UTSA from just being able to crash guys off the edge every play. And uh, they were picking up, you know, 10 to 12 yards on a bubble screen. It was Greg Davis' dream. And it, it just it opened the game up, right? They have a lot of they have a lot of ways they can do that. They also have, um, I mean, if Hudson Card is healthy, or if you think this is the last week you're going to need him, I mean that guy can scoot. You could mix in a little yeah. zone read and see how well Tech prepared for that. They did not look that good against a couple option plays North Carolina State ran. I can tell you that they didn't know they were not in the right fits. So you can they they have a lot of Sark has so many weapons and he knows how to use them. Yeah, I, I bet they don't break that out because. Hudson cards one one ouch away from if, if yours can't go all of a sudden it's Charles Wright or Malik Murphy Fair. Up. you know so I don't think they're going to run the quarterback much and he doesn't historically anyways um uh Jerry Ian either one of you want to take this what happens with Isaiah Nayor the transfer from Wyoming uh, who looked so good in the preseason and in the spring camp uh, until going down with an ACL tear uh, do you think he's coming back next year I do think he's coming back. I just – I don't – I mean, where can he go? I mean, I, I know he's put up numbers at Wyoming. He's put up touchdowns. I get it. And he has some really good spring tape at Texas. But still, um, where is he going to go? I mean, unless you just want to be a free agent pick, uh, you know, pick up in the NFL. He has uh, so many reasons to come back to Texas next year because here's the reality. That guy looked like a second-round type of guy. And now – you know, coming off the knee injury, um, he has to go prove that again. He has something to prove for his long-term football career. And I will say this, too. I mean, look, I mean, we're in the NIL day and age, right? I mean, there's benefit to sticking around versus being a free agent that there wasn't maybe three years ago, two years ago. So especially when you're coming off an injury, especially where you, you still have a little school to finish up. And I'll tell you this. Um He's probably looking around too, saying, you know, that guy played at Wyoming. He didn't win a lot of football games. He's also probably looking around saying, you know what? I'm going to rehab. I'm going to get back out here and we're going to be pretty damn good next year. <laughs> and I'm going to have fun doing it. 
<laughs> he, I, I, I can only imagine him and uh, him and Worthy, and and if they had Whittington back for another year, but I don't think that one's going to happen. But I mean, adding in Jonte Cook, some of the guys coming in, adding in J.T. Sanders, another season. Yeah, you're going to lose Bijan and Roshan, but let me tell you, Cedric Baxter is pretty damn good, and and Jonathan Brooks is a really good player. And you know, you look at it, how good's the offensive line going to be next year? Yeah, they're going to lose Christian Jones, but I mean. Kelvin Banks is a sophomore. Cole Hudson is a sophomore. Some of these freshmen then working their way, and Connor uh, Hayden Connor is a junior. Jake Majors has two years of starting experience. I mean, all you really need is Cam Williams to look like an NFL player next year, and your offensive line suddenly is going to be considered one of the better ones in college football in two years. And I'm not saying it is Georgia level, but I'm saying they're going to be mentioned that way in all the preseason magazines. So it, it, it's a team when you look at it. If you're Isaiah Nair, you're sitting around saying, okay, there's perks with NIL. I'm coming off an injury. And you know what? We got a chance to be really good. Where am I going to go? Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. Hey, here's what, here's a recurring question. I'm going to stay with you, Jerry. Uh-huh. Um, give me some good news about flipping J- Jaden Greathouse. Here's my take on it right now. I know. <laughs> here's my take on it because it's also Colton Vosick. Yes. The uh, defensive end uh, from uh, Austin Westlake. Greathouse. Uh, going to Notre Dame at right now, the uh, wide receiver. You know, Texas wanted both of those guys in a bad, bad way. You know, Texas needs to create some sort of momentum inside the city of Austin to get the majority of the best players in the city of Austin start to start wanting to go uh, to UT. There needs to be some sort of Austin pride about going to UT because if you go in there and tell Jaden Great, if Steve Sarkeesian goes in there and tells Jaden Greathouse and and Colton Vosick, we want you to represent the city of Austin at UT. It's a different kind of thing. That that, that so rarely happens, but I'm trying to uh, put it into a scenario where Texas is losing some of the best players from Austin right now. They're wanting to say, get away from home instead of feel some level of pride about where they're from. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And look, I, to answer that question, I just don't see it with Great House right now, the flip. I'm not saying it's out of the equation. Um, I just think things are headed more in the DeAndre Moore direction. And I love Great House as a player, by the way. I think Vosick's a big deal, though. I, I, I just – look, and that doesn't mean Great House isn't going to go on to be the NFL player, have the better career. That's to be determined. But I think Colton Vosick's a big deal for Texas. I mean, look, this is one where he's gonna, he, he did go to the Bama game. Not much with that, right? But you're still communicating with Texas. That's obvious. But Ethan Burke. Connor Robertson, their fre- their experience as freshmen this year, what they're saying about the program, right? I mean, it, it's one thing to want to get away from home. It sounds really good if you're Colton Vosick, but if the defense continues to play better and they have the product on the field looks a lot different defensively, and they can hit that eight nine win mark, and they keep building momentum. And you see Ethan Burke coming on more and more as a freshman. You see Connor Robertson, you know, has gotten in and he has great things to say about the program. Um, I think the pressure gets turned up a little bit. And I think the thought process can change just a little bit. But I think Vosick's a big one because, look, I'm not saying he's the highest NFL draft side guy. But what I am saying is you don't question that guy's motor. His senior tape is tremendous. He is a physical football player. And the in the improvements you're seeing on the Texas defense this year, I think he really fits in with that, uh, with that physicality, with some of those 
uh, guys that are coming into the program. So I think it's a big recruitment and one that Texas is not going to walk away from. That I can guarantee until he signs. I, I want to go – one of the hottest topics this offseason uh, was the uh, contribution or possible contribution of Gary Patterson uh, to the Texas defense. Uh, Ian, I'm, I'm leaving this one for you, bud. Uh, Gary Patterson has UT looking great on D right now. Is it Gary Patterson or is it a tinge of Gary Patterson, a tinge of everybody really that's part of the staff? It's a, it's a tinge of everybody for sure. Um, I, it was a great move by Steve Sarkeesian to hire Gary Patterson and get his expertise in the, in the program. Um, that guy has expertise on how to game plan every team in the big 12 from years and years of experience how to coach safeties, how to eval the state of Texas, how to run an off-season program, how to have culture and accountability. Um, so great hire by Sarkeesian, terrible hire for Pete Kwiatkowski. I think a year two bump was almost inevitable if this guy had anything uh, in the tank as a coach, getting everybody back, finally having some real edges on the program. And um, it's hard for him to get any credit with a legend like Gary Patterson around. But I think that they are both responsible. I will say one thing for, for really for both of them, Baron Sorrell and Ovia Gofu are playing a lot better this year on the edge. Texas looks way better on the edge than Texas fans would have dared hope, especially like after losing O'Shawn Mathis. And you know who else looks a lot better this year? Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson. You know, uh, a loss for Blake Gideon now and, and not being able to take any credit for that. But there's, there's reason to believe that they are both very helpful to Texas's rebounded defense. I, Bobby, I said this on a prior show, but I thought what was so interesting being at the Alabama game was the positioning of Gary Patterson before every play. I mean, you think about it. So he's been a head coach for, what, the last 20 years. So he has everything in his headset going on, right, and is still calling his defense. Right now at Texas on game day, he sits there and is looking at tendencies and reading everything the opponent's doing pre-snap how valuable is that so he's had all this taken off his plate being the head coach running the program on game day and he sits there and can study tape all week and and like Ian said he knows all these teams he knows all the personnel too by the way but now at the Alabama game he would sit down there and kind of watch it from the Alabama view and he would walk by somebody and say something every, after every play so he was clearly, whether it's the right tackles, right foot on a pass play, he's looking for these tendencies. And that job, when you take strip away everything he used to be as a head coach and you put him right there to do that on game day, that's unbelievable to have Gary Patterson there. And I'm not saying he's the reason they're playing better, but, man, just to have him there and that's what he does on game day, that's invaluable. You know, Jerry, Jerry, uh, some of Patterson's best days as a coordinator, uh, you know, coaching the defense at TCU came when he had his longtime mentor and defensive line coach, Dick Bumpus, with him. Yep. And part of the genius of their system was that Bumpus would call the front. The way their defense is organized, Bumpus would call the front, and uh, Patterson would call the back end independently of each other. Like they were vaguely aware of what each other were doing, but each one would be like, I'm going to call the perfect stunt or front to stuff whatever they're about to do. And Patterson, I'm about to call the perfect coverage to shut down what I see from – So. Um, I, you probably there's a little bit of that going on for Texas right now, you would guess. And uh, it is, boy, is it valuable. 
All right, this is Inside Texas and on Texas Football Chat, uh, live stream, Longhorn live stream with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, and myself, Bobby Burton. Uh, right now we have a special at Inside Texas, $1 for one month. Uh, join us there. Uh, each and every one of us are there each and every day uh, writing articles, talking with fans, uh, trying to get the, the best information to you guys as humanly possible. Uh, we've got time for a couple of more questions. Uh, before I do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. 404-973-9901. couple other questions, okay, that I want to go in with you guys here. Uh, Nebraska job comes open. Arizona State job comes open. Um, it looks like Auburn's Auburn on the way. Yeah, Auburn might be coming. Um, this have any trickle-down effect to Texas? Obviously, if Aranda goes to Nebraska, Baylor opens. But I don't know that Aranda goes to Nebraska. Yeah, I, I mean, look, to me, if Aranda went to Nebraska, Baylor's hire is the most simple one of all time. You just go to UTSA and hire Jeff Trailer. That is the easiest, uh, unless you want to bring Joey McGuire back. But to me, you just go hire Jeff Trailer and be done with it. I mean, be done with it. Uh, that's what I would do unless Matt Rule wants to come back. <laughs> and that's where things get interesting. But if you're Matt Rule and Auburn's open, wouldn't you go after that job? I actually think he would worry Saban a little bit. Not from a – he'd worry him because of the – not from a recruiting perspective, but he'd worry him from a, okay, this guy is going to bring in physical football players. He is going to eat, drink, and sleep this stuff, and he is going to maximize that Auburn program. I think that would be a really good hire for Auburn. But – so I think if Dave Randa goes to Nebraska, hire Jeff Trailer and be done with it unless Matt Rule calls you. How do you not hire Lance Leopold from Kansas if you're in Nebraska? Um, I've got can to, you sell it to the, can you sell it to the fan base? I think that's the biggest question. I, I, I agree with you, but can you, I mean, is, is Nebraska going to sit here and say, we have to have a Dave Aranda, a Matt Campbell or a Matt rule, somebody who's been in a championship game. And I agree with you, Bobby, but can you sell it to a fan base? Who's kind of, you know, it's been a rough, I think they've went, they've went in that direction or tried to go in that direction before. I think that the type of offense that you can run at Nebraska and win with because you can attract the type of talent is the exact type of offense that's being run right now at Kansas. Yep. Um, you can talk about it all you want, but that type of offense will work at Nebraska. You can recruit those type of players, um, not the greatest throwing quarterback, tremendous runner, strong runner, um, a great attention to detail in that program right now at Kansas. I just watched them. I beat the you-know-what out of Houston last week. I mean, they their last eight drives, Kansas uh, punted on the first two drives of the game. Their last eight drives against U of H, six touchdowns, two field goals. That's pretty strong. Um, and, you know, there was two drives where I don't think they had a single third down. Right. So mm -hmm. is that because Houston's so bad or, or worn out, what have you? They're fighting each other on the sideline and – True Dana Holgerson, you know, WWE style. But, you know, my, my point being here is 
you know, I think that Nebraska, Nebraska's got to go after someone like Leopold, and Leopold has won. I mean, one at Wisconsin Whitewater, won a couple of, I know they're division three or whatever, but won a couple of national championships there. Are there any other jobs that, that obviously Matt Campbell would be a great hire to, I'm not discounting him. That would open up a, a job in the big 12. Uh, but Texas is in an interesting situation because we've got I, Longhorns have half the foot out the door in the conference. They're more likely to pay, play Auburn and the new head coach at Auburn more frequently than they are the Baylor. If there right. was a new coach at Baylor or Iowa state. Right. So I, I mentioned this because I almost want people to rewire their brain a little bit about what comes next, because Texas only plays Aranda, Dave Aranda at most two more times. In my right. So can I make that, a note about Nebraska? Go for that, it. A, a tricky thing with Nebraska is that they, have the resources to recruit at a top 25 level consistently. They have to go, they have to cast a big wide net to do it because there's not very many people in the state of Nebraska. They can recruit top 25. Um, What made Osborne so good was that he would do that. And he had this brilliant system that would squeeze value out of these Nebraska kids and allow him to build nationally elite offensive lines and offenses with, what would now be rated as two-star Nebraska linemen and, and tight ends. And so kind of, I don't, I mean, they're probably never, ever, ever going to be that again. Right. But their dream as a program to be nationally competitive requires a guy that can a recruit nationally and evaluate the right kind of guys and squeeze value out of that sort of recruiting and squeeze value out of not having elite players. Right. You need him to be a very good recruiter but you also need him to be a very good schemer and developer. Just like that total skill set to find all that in one guy, extremely difficult. Um, Nebraska, and if, if the guy, when that guy exists, his first choice is generally not Nebraska. So yeah, I'm, because he'd rather have all the he'd rather have all the toys, just like do it at Ohio else. State. Yeah, do it yeah. in Alabama. Do it at Florida. Do it at I, I, th- I think the biggest thing. Um, the other thing that helped Osborne was Prop 48, as Bobby can talk about. And then when that went out the door, that changed the game for Colorado and Nebraska. But yeah. I think the bigger thing when you look at a Nebraska job, whoever comes in has to catch lightning in a bottle at quarterback. I, I think it's just vital for these types of programs who have been down so long and they don't have the natural recruiting geography. You have to be – that's when you have to be really good at quarterback. You can't have the bus driver. You you need to hit a lightning in a bottle on a Colt McCoy type of guy who was a three-star that ends up being a guy that elevates you from six wins to ten wins. I think that's what that program needs more than anything whoever's hired. Or nine to 12 in the right. case of Colt McCoy, right? Yep. Or Actually, he was coming off a national championship, so 13 or 14, whatever right. it was. The, the, the thing that I would say uh, about – all of all of what we're talking about here as it relates to uh, Texas and, and these coaching changes, the Longhorns are in a, a unique spot uh, because of the conference affiliation, uh, but they're not immune to it themselves. There, there could be a guy, I mean, frankly, you know, think about other players, other, other people on the Texas staff, if they get job offers because Texas all of a sudden right. starts winning big. Um, yeah. That would be number one. The number two thing I wanted to catch on is catching lightning in a bottle at, at quarterback and what it means to a program. Okay. Think about Quinn Ewers. Yeah. 
how you're everybody's seen Hudson Card, and we think Hudson Card is a a good quarterback, right? He's not lightning in a bottle. In in one quarter, Texas fan against Alabama, Texas fans saw what lightning in a bottle looks like. Right? I mean, that's what you're, what you're really talking about. You're talking about a guy that can throw deep, complete 70% of his passes, evade a pass rush, and make every throw. That's that's not just lightning in a bottle. That's like Shazam. I mean, right. you know, what, what do you want to what do you want to do? And I think that Texas fans as much as any program out there should understand what you mean by that comment of catching lightning in a bottle at, at quarterback. Uh, by the way, uh, the Prop 48 went out when Nebraska entered the Big 12. That was part of Texas's um, uh, uh, choice. It, it, if they wanted to create the Big 12, Texas said no Prop 48s, and uh, all the uh, Big 8 schools agreed to that. Uh, you know, So, yeah. But I, I tell you, the best the best position you can talk about all the positions that's why everybody that, they, that, Nebraska, that Nebraska used to get from uh, in state. The best one by far was fullback. Oh. I mean, they had they had guys that were that were 195 pounds coming out of high school that ended up being 245 sledgehammers that every linebacker in the Big Eight and the Big Twelve. Wanted absolutely. I mean, D.D. Lewis, I, I remember hearing him after a game and D.D. Lewis, Texas linebacker. I mean, he's like, that's just different. You know, you don't people don't come. I mean, and, and they had Texas had picked up on a Mart Hall, which was the best right. fullback Texas had had Ended up playing uh, several years in the league. But that was the position as much as the offensive line, which is uh, somewhat similar to what Iowa does now with Kirk Ferentz up there, um, Ian, that you're talking about. Uh, all interesting. All right, I want to I want to finish up here with a couple of uh, uh, more Texas specific comments, uh, and this is going to be one real quick. Uh, uh, Ian or, or Jerry, Keelan Robinson should be back next year. Also, right. You want me to take oh, yeah. that, or y'all want to take it? Go ahead, Bobby. You know I don't think answer. so. <laughs> right. I think I think he's going to test it, test his uh, availability in the NFL. Uh, he's he's not a number one back. He is a boutique back, and he'll be a boutique back at Texas or in the NFL, wherever it might be. So I don't see um, that being anything uh, different uh, than 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 that. I, I just I feel like he's probably uh, going to be there, and if that's the case, Texas loses three running backs, right? And that's a that's a big piece of, of the pie. Um, Bobby, he uh, he'll he can make a roster on special teams too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's not every reason to just, just go, just make it happen. My question for him on special teams would be whether or not he's, he's good enough or tall enough. They usually like a little lankier guys uh, to be special teams guys uh, for them. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, last one. It is semi Texas related and then we'll get going here. Guys. Uh, tell me what you got. Tom Herman to Arizona state. Any, any possibility there? And would you hire him? By the way, my the, well, if the second part to no. know. <laughs> um, I I mean I just uh, no. I mean I I I I'd hate to say that. I mean, but man, the proof's in the pudding there. I, I, I that's not what Arizona State needs. Arizona State needs, um, you know, keep local Kenny, Kenny Dillingham. Right, Keith Niebuhr, one of our colleagues and our really good friends. Uh, 
Dilling, he brought that name up, and I think that is a really good, strong name for an Arizona State to consider. Um, I think Jeff Trailer would kick butt out there. I, I think they need somebody, uh, if it's not a guy that with long-standing knowledge in a, in this Arizona State, in, in that Phoenix area, which those kids are still not – Christian Kirk's not staying home no matter who you hire. And that is the reality – that Arizona State has to come to. So if that's not going to happen, who is your hire? Well, you know, to me, it, it may. It, I go to Jeff Trailer because I've, I've seen what he did at UTSA, right? And I've followed him since Gilmer, so I know a lot about him. Who's that guy? Who Who is that guy that Arizona State can hire? Because that's what they need right now. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I, I would say this. Um, when I first started in this business 30 years ago in covering recruiting, the state of Arizona produced 10 to 12 division one players a year. That number is now tripled. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it's unbelievable. So realize uh, that you can do more in the state of Arizona now, simply because of the population boom over a 30 year period. So the, there are second tier guys in Arizona that are pretty darn good. Uh, Jerry, any news on, Cecilia Kana, Damon Wilson. Uh, I don't even know who Lindhart is. Yeah, I know who Lindhart is. Uh, Kana really liked the Texas visit. Uh, Wilson, it seems like that one's kind of gone for now. Lindhart's the kid that decommitted, the edge kid that decommitted from Nebraska, who's at IMG Academy. Um, I actually saw him uh, earlier in the week when I was at IMG. The days are run together. He's kind of an interesting – He's pro he may end up being more of an inside guy long-term than a true edge guy talking to the IMG staff. So that one may just not be a fit necessarily at Texas, but a good, really good player. Um, so that's, you know, that, that that's that's the news on those. I think Akana really likes Texas. The question is there is, you know, where's Texas at on the edge position? Where's he at uh, with that Texas staff? What exactly are they looking for? Because Akana's got more of a linebacker frame. I mean, he's a kid that's 6'3", 208, 210, 78-inch wingspan. He's 19 years old. He's not the Braylon Shelby frame. He's not even the Colton Vosick frame. So the question is, how does that match his play? He's a really good player, but that does that really good player match the scheme and the need? I think that's kind of the question. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I got to ask this. I got to answer this. And Ian, you need to help me out here. Um, and that is boutique back. <laughs> they, they think that's – I don't say that as a negative. Like, I don't think that that's a negative. I think that certain guys do certain things really well, just like there are boutiques that sell certain things better than anybody else. Well, Keaton, Keelan Robinson, it has an acceleration Bijan Robinson does. So there, there, is, there are things that he does that other people don't bring to the table. So I, please, when I say that, I'm not saying it in a negative fashion. Do you understand what I'm going at there? Yeah, it's like, like, a step, like a scat back. Yeah, I mean, for, le for lack of a better back. term. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's supposed to be a little more flattering than scat back. Uh, but it sounds, it just sounds a little, I don't know, girly or something. So it doesn't sound like a compliment. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's like a luxury, it's like a luxury player. Like, He's not going to be your every down 200 carries guy. You know, don't want to give him the ball and third and one with the game on the line. But when you can mix him in, he's going to do some some things that really improve your quality of life, right? 
They like break Absolutely. your 80 yard run on an off play or, or whatever it is. All right. Special thanks again to our uh, sponsor, Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, Andy, uh, please reach out to him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. 404-973-9901 if you're looking to diversify your business. Uh, also, please consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com for $1 for one month on InsideTexas.com uh, for new subscribers. Uh, for Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been Longhorn Livestream on Texas Football. Thank you for joining us.